Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. So glad to have you worshiping with us today, wherever you are. I want to take a moment and say welcome, especially those of you that are our first-time guests worshiping with us either today or over the last couple of weeks for the first time. And we'd also like to say, look, we'd really like to get to know you, and we'd like to extend the same hospitality to you that we would if you were right here in the building physically. So if you'd do us a favor and just let us know you're here, uh, there's a, a link for you to click on a Connect card and let us know that you're joining us for worship. And again, uh, we've got a no-hassle guarantee. Nobody's going to knock on your door and share COVID-19 with you, I promise. But we would like to just send you a little something, telling you a little more about the church and what your next steps could be to connect. So before we go any further today, I just want to take a minute and talk to us. I want to remind us, we know here at Grace Life, uh, matter of fact, one of our core beliefs is that there is more to church than Sundays. Uh, Sundays, when you, when you go to a place, go into a building, and you have a, an experience that sometimes we call church, we know that's, that's actually not church. That's part of church. That's something called a worship service. And since a worship service really has two key ingredients, one of which is to glorify God, to worship Him and to praise Him, and the second one is to receive instruction for our lives from His Word. And, and since a worship service has those two key ingredients that we can do online, we will continue to do those online. But as I said, there is more to church than Sundays. And I believe right now with all that we're going through in the world, we need more than Sundays, more than ever. We need more than Sundays, more than ever. So uh, we need family. We need community. We need people in our lives. We need to share life together. We need to talk about our struggles and our victories, what God is doing, what we're experiencing in our souls. We need to encourage one another and pray for one another. So I, I want to encourage you, if you're not in one of our life groups, you, you can go right now and join one. We've got new life groups that we are starting right now just for uh, the online community. You can be a part of an online group. Many of our groups have already moved online, the ones that we're already meeting and if you were in a group and you decided, hey, I'm just going to, you know, shut down for two weeks and grin and bear it, could, could I encourage you maybe start reconnecting? Use some of the technology that's out there today for us to continue to meet as groups, even though we are physically separated. Uh, you know, when this first began, we all thought, I'll make it through two weeks. But the reality is this may take longer than two weeks. So I want to encourage you, don't just uh, hunker down and wait for it to be over to find community again. Go ahead right now, wherever you are, and begin to connect with people. And let's get involved with that. Uh, and so last thing before we begin the message today, I want to talk to you about what we are doing here at Grace Life, all that's going on in response to uh, COVID-19 and our different way of worship. First thing I want you to know about is we're going to try to connect a little bit personally, uh, even here at our worship service. So normally, if you were here worshiping with us, as soon as you left the building, you would walk out to the lobby and you'd run into me and other pastors, staff members, your friends, and we'd just all stop and have a conversation. So we're going to try something we're calling lobby parties. Uh, right after every worship service today, you can join me for a live conversation on my Instagram page. I'll be right there ready to either talk with you, take your questions, comments. Other staff members are going to be jumping in with us as well. So I want to invite you to come out and uh, be a part of that. Uh, the second thing is we want you to know you've maybe heard the announcement and you've been watching on social media. There is a worldwide prayer movement right now called Unite 714. And we have joined that as a church. I also want to encourage you to maybe 
think about joining that individually where you can get the email sent directly to you with the prayers and updates of what God is doing around the world. Uh, so you can go and sign up for that at the link that you see right there on the screen. And then the last thing, we want to fill you in on specifics of what we're doing here locally uh, to respond to the needs of COVID-19. And so if you go to uh, the link on the screen here uh, at our website or on our app, you can find out some of the things we're doing. I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. First of all, this Thursday, April 2nd, we're going to be doing an emergency blood drive partnering with the Red Cross here at Grace Life from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. You can sign up on that link to either uh, serve and be a part of helping that happen, or we want you just to come out from 10 to 3. We're putting all those precautions of wisdom in place, Uh, the six-foot barrier, the mask. We'll have some masks here for you. Uh, At least we hope we're planning to have them here, and hand sanitizer. Uh, So we're going to have a good, safe opportunity for you to make a difference in other people's lives. And so we also want to let you know what you've been doing, your incredible generosity, what it's made possible here. I want to say thank you to all of you that have been giving online and giving through Grace Life. Uh, Some of the things we've been able to do... uh, We've got a great partnership with our school system here, and so when a family is in need, they come to us and ask if we can help. We've been able to provide food and gift cards uh, for those families already, as well as uh, we actually just placed an order this morning for 11,000 masks that we're going to be able to share with uh, hospitals, doctor's offices, and healthcare workers here in uh, the greater Columbia area uh, this coming week. As soon as those all arrive, once again, that's all because of your generosity, but if you want to continue to make things like that possible, as well on that same link that you see on your screen right now you can go there and you can give all right everybody we're going to jump into our series for today Um, let me tell you a little bit about this series First of all, it's a remake of a series we did a few years ago that people have been saying, hey, that was so uh, encouraging and uh, just really uh, gave me faith in a new way. Could we do something like that again? Uh, Also, when we did that series, uh, Grace Life was less than half the size that it is now. Uh, And uh, hopefully anytime you see something great like a good movie, you don't mind seeing it again for those of you that, that will be going through this the second time. But I will tell you that we're doing a remake. I'm not just looking at the exact same notes, so I I think it's going to be great for all of us. And so the series came from a a thing that happened as I was reading my Bible. I was going through my Bible and and, uh, several years ago, and I noticed a statement where Jesus said, I came to do this, but I remembered that just a day or so before, as I was reading in the Gospels, Jesus had said, I came to do something different. And so I started to notice, you know, Jesus came to do a lot of different things in his ministry. It, It wasn't just one little thing. He was accomplishing a lot in that time. So I put a sticky note in the back of my Bible, and I began to to notate every verse when Jesus said, look, this is what I came to do. This is what I was sent for. This is my very purpose. And uh, over the time of a year of reading through the entire Bible, I I had a list of many of those statements. And so then we sat down and we looked at some of those. We pulled out some of the ones uh, that we thought would make a, a great topic for us to talk about. And out of that came this series. And so what this series is really all about is talking about what should be different in our lives because of Jesus? See, because Jesus came and he came saying, I came to do this, I want us to take some time and just look at those statements individually. And so, look, in the midst of this COVID-19 lockdown and not being able to get in contact with the rest of the world, I think we really need some hope. 
Uh, we need some faith. We need some joy. And there is really nothing better, matter of fact, no one better for us to be focused on than Jesus right now. So maybe you've experienced this as you are in lockdown and you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. Uh, maybe you're becoming a little bit stir crazy. I mean, you can only watch so many movies. You can only binge watch so many series. Uh, you honestly can only play so many board games before you become a little stir crazy and begin to wonder, is, is this a waste of my time? Is, is this even kind of meaningless? Uh, I've, I've been enjoying beating my children at Settlers of Catan, one of our family uh, games that we love to play. The truth is, uh, you know, you can only beat your children so many times in a board game before you figure out it's not even worth bragging about. It's, it's honestly quite meaningless. And, uh, you know, we, we get a lot of our meaning and purpose from our routine. And we've lost that routine, our, our jobs and, and going to school and, and then being with certain people. We, we tend to find a lot of meaning from that sometimes. And, and that's okay. Those things are very important. But what can happen if we're not careful is we can confuse activity with meaning. We can think that, well, if I'm busy, then I must be doing something meaningful. And it's at a time like this when all of that activity has been uh, either extremely slowed down or maybe even brought to a complete halt that we stop and wonder just how meaningful some of those things are. And, and I want to tell you, I, I hope you are finding meaning in those things. I do hope when you go to work, you know that you are bringing the presence of God into that place and you're having an influence on your coworkers for good. I, I hope that you know when you're going to school, God is using that to prepare you for your future. I do hope that you find meaning through the relationships you have because you know that you are encouraging them, you are strengthening them, they are strengthening you, that each of you are helping the other walk in what God has for you. So, uh, all of those should bring meaning, but when those things are removed, when we have to slow down like we are doing right now, what it does is it makes us stop. It makes us think a little bit more about what really matters, and, and do all of those things bring the kind of purpose to our lives that we think they're supposed to, and, and then matter of fact, maybe which ones don't. So again, this series is about things in our lives that should be different because of Jesus. So today we're going to kick off the series talking about how because of Jesus, our lives have purpose, not just from our routine and the things we do, but specifically because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, our lives have purpose. And so, you know, Jesus understood his own purpose. And uh, let me show you even what he said about that. For those of you that are following along in your own Bibles at home, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4 uh, today, starting in verse 31. But don't worry if you don't have that, it will be on the screen right here with me in a minute. But let me just give you the backstory to what we're about to read. Uh, this is what's commonly referred to this town as the home base. Jesus spent a lot of time in this town called Capernaum, and it's right by the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful place. Uh, I've, I've had the privilege of going there myself, and I just want to tell you, if you ever get the chance to go to Israel, take it. Uh, because your, your Bible will come to life. You will never read the Bible the same again. Uh, it'll really uh, grow your faith, and, and every story is just going to be so different. And so what we're going to see is that Jesus is going to go. He's going to preach in a synagogue, going to cast out demons. Amazing things happen. So let's check this out in verse 31. It says, He went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
That's a really bad demon impersonation, I know, but you should probably be glad that I'm not really good at sounding like a demon. That would probably be a little scarier if your pastor had an amazing voice at that. It goes on to say, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And they were all amazed. I would be too. And they said to one another, whoa, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. They do what he says. And reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. And, and then after this, Jesus is going to go with his disciples into one of his disciples' homes, Simon Peter's home there. Uh, is going to find that his mother-in-law is sick. He's going to pray for her. She's going to be healed. We're going to jump back in at verse 40. It says, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, they brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And look, this is only exactly what you'd expect to happen. This is a, a beautiful town right by the Sea of Galilee, but it's also a small town. Word is going to spread like crazy. Hey, did you hear today? Uh, that guy was here, the guy that preaches with like authority, the guy who heals people, and he cast a demon out of a guy at, at the, the synagogue, and then he went right down the street to this uh, other house, and then he healed this woman who had a fever, and now she's up cooking dinner. Hey, let's take our sick people. Let's take our demonized family members over there too, and let's get Jesus to do something. And so the whole town was bringing everybody out. And demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them. And he would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and they came to him. And if they had their way, they would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Let me ask you the question. Do you know what it means to know your purpose? You see, when you know your purpose, it means you know your why. I've, I've heard it said often, the two greatest days of your life will be the day you get saved and the day you discover why you're here. What did God create you to do? What did he put you here to do? You see, if you know the purpose that God created you for, then you know why you were here. And when you know why you were here, you know what to do and you know what not to do. When you know your why, you know what to do and you know what not to do. You see, actually, when you know your why, you have direction for everything in your life. When you know your why, you have direction for your career. Uh, this is why Jesus didn't run for mayor. It is why Jesus didn't become a high priest, because Jesus knew what his career was. It was to be the son of God on the earth, bringing the kingdom of God in truth and power. That's what he was there to do. He could have done anything else, but that's what he was called to do, so that's what he did. It determined his direction for something that, that simple. The same thing has happened for me. Every career decision that I've, I've had has been based upon my why. When I was 16 years old, I became a believer. And at that moment, I also knew God had called me to do exactly what I'm doing today. But I taught school for a few years. It allowed me to grow up. It was just something God was doing in my life. It allowed me to have interactions with students while I was a youth pastor at a level I never would if I were only in one church all day long. And so uh, I thank God for those times. But even when I was choosing those jobs, I chose what town and, and the schools that I was going to work in based on friends that had churches where I knew that I could learn and grow and what God had called me to do to be a pastor. I chose a job here in Columbia at the time where God had called us to start this church. So I've always allowed what the why is for my life to determine the cities that I lived in and the very jobs that I did. It was direction for my career. 
when you know your why, you're going to have direction for something like your marriage. People come to me for premarital counseling, and I tell them, look, this is not a compatibility uh, program. We're not going to sit in here and figure out if, if you're able to be compatible. Matter of fact, if you're in my office and you're engaged, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you are compatible enough to be married. What we want to do in premarital counseling, one of those things is to determine, are, are you headed in the same direction for your lives? You see, each of you has a why, and if his why and her why are so completely opposed uh, to what each other is trying to do, then maybe they should not try to do those two whys together. If, on the other hand, they're headed the same direction, then maybe they should try to do those whys together. Matter of fact, if you know your why, then you have direction for your, your tomorrow, your smallest next step. Matter of fact, think about it this way. This is the reason Jesus was able to get up one day, roll out of bed, and said, all right, today, go into that town. He knew exactly what to do that day because it's what he was called to do, was to preach to the other towns. You see, they were happy if he stayed in that town. Matter of fact, it's one of the prettiest little towns I've ever been to, right by the sea. And Jesus would have had a, a great reason to just hang out there. The people loved him. He was having great ministry, beautiful place to live. But he literally knew his next step, the next town to go to. He even knew, don't set up shop and build a house because you need to travel. You've got three years and you've got to make the kingdom of God known all throughout this region. So don't just hang out in this one town. When we know our why, it determines so much from where to live, what jobs to do, who to be married to, when to go on. Every day, waking up knowing exactly what we are called to do. Now, here's the truth. That's just the foundation. That's just the foundation. But if you actually want to live your why, you need to know this. There will always be threats against living God's purpose for your life. There will always be threats against living God's purpose for your life. And what I want to do is show you the three major threats that even Jesus encountered in this story. The first one are people's demands. Did you remember in the story it said, The people sought him, and they came to him, and they would have kept him from leaving them. Here's the truth I want you to know. Most people don't care about what God wants from you. They only care about what they can get from you. Most people don't care about what God wants for you. They only care about what they can get from you. They weren't concerned about the next town. They, weren't con they were just concerned like, hey, look, with this guy here, we don't ever have to see a doctor anymore. All of our crazy people he is dealing with, he's casting out demons. It's good for us if he stays. We don't really care what he needs to do. We care about what is good for us. And the problem, of course, for most of us is, well, the truth is we're people pleasers. There's a, a lot of us are people pleasers. Matter of fact, I, I hope you are to some degree because I would hate to think that you say, I don't really care about people and, and, and I'm a jerk. No, 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 we don't want to be that. If we love people and we care about them, we're, we're all going to have some tendency. Some of us have a lot of tendency toward being people pleasers. We find it very hard to say no. And so when people put their demands on us, it can sometimes derail us. This is very important here. It's good to serve people. It is not possible to please everybody. You get that? It is good to try and serve people. It is not possible to always please people. Matter of fact, the truth is it's actually hard to follow God's desires while meeting people's demands. We cannot always follow God's desires while meeting people's demands. The second thing that was a threat to what God had asked of Jesus, what his purpose was, was earthly success. We saw in the story, it said they were all amazed and reports about him went into every region. You see, when you succeed at something on earth, 
there will be an opportunity for that to derail you from your purpose. Now, look, I realize that your success also can reveal to you your purpose, and that may take some prayer and talking to God about, because when that success comes, as it can point you the right direction, it can also pull you away out of what God has for you specifically. Matter of fact, I can just tell you from my own life, at every point in life that I was successful at something on earth, it, it was a, also I was offered a counterfeit opportunity to pull me away from that. So uh, when I knew at 16, again, I knew at 16 God had called me to do what I'm doing today. And uh, right after I graduated high school, I spent the summer working with my dad. He was a machinist, so I was working in a shop, and I was making more hourly than any other 18-year-olds were that were working like at McDonald's or whatever. And uh, honestly, I had a really easy job, and I was really bored. It was just doing some mundane machine work, like drill a hole in something a thousand times in a row, and, and uh, it was just easy to do that. And so uh, I got good at doing that really fast, and so at the end of the summer, the, the manager came and said, hey, you why don't you stay with us? You'd be making more money than anybody else your age, and, and you've got uh, opportunity to be promoted and to grow in this. And, and it would have been a really good opportunity uh, to develop a trade and have a good life. My dad did it his whole life, but I knew that it wasn't my why. I knew that in order to do what God had called me to do today, I needed either Bible college or seminary or, or some next step. So I said no to that opportunity and went off to college. While I was in college, I had a job working in uh, like a Walgreens type of uh, pharmacy. And um, again, I just, I, I work fast because I, I, I'm a fast talker. I'm a fast driver. I just like to get on with things and, and get, get moving. And so I was very quick at whatever my boss told me to do. He said, stock that shelf. And I'd stock that shelf very quickly. And uh, he came to me and said, look, you know, I, I didn't even finish college. You, you should become a manager and you could get promoted. You could have a great career in this, this company. And, and uh, I said, no, because again, I knew my why. And so I was actually majoring in music while I was in college, uh, which is why I became a worship pastor for a while. And, and so even that, where I had success there as a, a concert pianist for a season, when I was ready to graduate, uh, my professors were pushing me towards graduate school and maybe even becoming a, a piano professor. But again, I knew it wasn't my why. And so when I said, no, actually, after graduation, I'm going to join a church planting team, uh, I got called to the dean's office over that. And the dean sat me down and said, what are you doing? Look at the success you've had. You're walking away from that. And although sometimes those can point you to what God's calling you to do, many times you're going to also be offered a counterfeit opportunity, and you're really going to have to make sure that the opportunities you're following because of your success actually lead you to your why question I have for you this morning, what opportunity have you maybe taken because of earthly success uh, that has left you feeling off course, maybe a little purposeless, because it may be time for a course correction. And, and the third uh, thing that we see that's a threat against God's purpose for your life that Jesus also encountered is demonic attack. Uh, the enemy hates you doing what God wants you doing. 
That's a truth you never should forget. The enemy hates you doing what God wants you doing. The demons actually tried to call him out publicly before he was ready. And when you read this story, it may be a little funny. I know when I would read this story early on in my life, I'd say, wait a minute, Jesus, like you're, you want everybody to know you're the son of God. You want people to know that you're the king of kings. Matter of fact, later on in, in the story, if we flip a few pages, you're going to be asking people, do you know who that I am? So I'm really confused. Why would you not want to see the demonic forces crying out, you're the son of God. It seems to me like that'd be a great thing. Except think about it this way. This was the beginning of his ministry. There was going to be a day and a time where he wanted the whole world to know who he was, and he was going to make that very clear. Of course, when that day came, it was going to be the end. And so it wasn't time for the end for him here on earth. This was back when he wanted to be preaching about the kingdom of God, where he wanted to be showing the kingdom of God in its power to people on earth. Matter of fact, if you can just think about this with me, his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where thousands came out to hear him preach his most famous teaching of all, you can just hear the word spreading in the villages, hey, the teacher that teaches with authority, the one who speaks a word and demons come out, the one who touches and they're healed. He's speaking over there. Let's go. And you can just see the crowds running. Now imagine that same scenario if they were to say, hey, the crazy guy who thinks he's God's son, he's over there holding a rally. How many people are going to come? And so that's the reason that Jesus said, stop it. It is not time for people to know who I am. So the demonic attack was trying to, to take away his credibility, trying to, to make it impossible for him to do what he was called to do at that point in his life. If you know your purpose in God and you live for that, you will have the enemy's attention, period. You will have the enemy's attention because the enemy hates you doing what God wants you doing. And because of Jesus, we have purpose. Because of Jesus, we have purpose. Your life has an incredible, very individual, very specific why. It's why you are here. And right now, you know, as we're at home and we're feeling trapped where we can't go out and do the things we'd normally do as our routine is gone, thanks to the, the worldwide pandemic of COVID-19 that we're facing, uh, your normal purpose, normal way of finding purpose, your normal way of finding meaning, uh, well, honestly, it's, it's kind of been removed for some of us. And it might be an excellent time for you to really reevaluate if normal is what you need to go back to. I, I keep hearing everybody post on social media and everybody talking, man, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Okay, so what you mean is you can't wait for things to get back to busy and preoccupied and where you're not trapped in your house. The problem for some of us, normal does not mean God's purpose for our lives. So I think this is an excellent time for us to be talking about this. This is a perfect time for us to be questioning, do I even want to go back to normal? Is normal exactly what God put me on earth to do? Or is normal a distraction from what God has called me to do? So the question I have for you right now is this. Who wants to live their why? Who wants to live for the purpose that God created you for? Go ahead and join in right now, wherever you are, whatever couch you're sitting on, wherever you are, raise your hand and say, I want to live my why. I want my life to be what God put me here to do. And if you want to do that, I need to, to share with you two very important truths as we close today. And these truths, by the way, they have to go from something you know to something that you believe deep, deep inside. Because when the demonic attack and the demands of people and the success that you have on earth comes, in your mind, you'll be able to rationalize why you should take that counterfeit path. 
And so something's got to be deeper in here for those. And so truth number one is this. Look, you are uniquely designed by God to live with purpose. You are uniquely designed by God to live with purpose. You've got to believe right here in your heart. You've got to know you are so much more than a biological process. You are so much more than a random process of cells coming together. Uh, You are created. You are created. You are created by the creator God of the universe, and he designed you to be you. And when we wake up each day, we can say, I am Jimmy. I am made by God to be Jimmy, and I am made exactly who I am. Matter of fact, that's why the Bible says in Ephesians, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are created by God. The the word his workmanship indicates that we're not just a process. It's not like when you get your new iPhone and you have an option on how to design your, your new emoji. Oh, I'll do this hair, and I'll do that nose. That kind of looks like this. God wasn't up in heaven with seven hairstyles and five noses and kind of just spreading them around. But God created us to be exactly who we are, one at a time. He said, I'm going to make Jimmy, and Jimmy is going to be doing this for his life. And, and I want him to look that way. And, and even his physical stature is going to help with what I've created him to do. And I'm, I'm going to make Kent, and I'm going to make Kent to do this. And I'm, I'm going to make Chuck, and I'm going to make Chuck to do that. I'm going to make Chuck just like this. And every single one of us, we are uniquely made for our season. We didn't design our parents. We didn't design when we were born, the era we were born into, the nation we were born into, the languages we speak. Every bit of that is what God put into us. The the season and the time and the purpose and everything all comes together because we are uniquely made by Him for a purpose. Matter of fact, this is just for free, but we're called to succeed at our purpose. And we're probably not called to succeed at things that are not our purpose. I'm going to tell you the truth. When I was growing up, I absolutely loved basketball. I spent a lot of time in the summers and on afternoons out at the basketball courts with my friend. And uh, I would have played basketball for a living if God had let me. First of all, they're rich, they're famous, and it looks like a good life. Everybody loves them, right? Uh, but here's the thing. I'm 5'5", and I shoot about 30%, and, and even lower if somebody is guarding me. And so, look, let your failures define your purpose as well. God made us to succeed at these things, and, and we just need to stop being depressed about what we're not naturally good at and just let that be a sign to us that God didn't call you to do that. And it's what you are doing more naturally that God has given you uh, to do. So, look, here's a question for you. Have you even asked God what he wants you to do? His word promises, look, I know the plans I have for you. I know your future, plans for a future, plans for a hope. I have plans for you. We just need to sit down and say, hey, God, you made me like this. I was born in this place at this time to these parents to speak this language. I have these strengths. I can do this. What have you put me here to do? Because I know that I'm your workmanship. And it's got to be deep here. And if it's deep here, then we stop being frustrated over things we don't like about ourselves. We stop looking in a mirror and saying, but God, if you had made me like We stop saying, well, God, if I were this or God, if I were that, because right here we know deep inside who I am is who God wants me to be. It's who God made me to be. And there's a purpose that comes with that. The second truth that we need to know right here is that our eternal purpose outweighs earthly desires. Look, sometimes we just want things and those things can derail the purpose that God put us here to do. Some things just, they just attract us to other things. Matter of fact, you know, one of the things we want more than anything is to avoid suffering. 
And as Jesus was facing his time to come to an end on earth, and he knew that he was actually about to endure the worst death, the worst physical treatment of any human that uh, human history had come up with at that time, the, the scourging and the being nailed to a cross. It's, it's a horrific process that he went through for you and me. And as he knew, as a man, as well as God, as, as God-man, he knew the pain that that was going to cause to the body that he was in. And he knew what that experience was going to be like. And so uh, he, he cried out to the Father and said, look, if there's any other way. But he also made this statement, like, my soul is troubled and this is going to be hard. But what should I do? Should I ask God to save me from this? No, because I was sent for this. This is my very purpose. And if I could be honest, many of us today as followers of Jesus, we pray the kind of prayers that he didn't. We, we pray the kind of prayers that say, God, I know this is going to draw me closer to you to go through this difficult season, but would you, would you just please not make me go through that? God, would you just make my marriage great magically? I know that the difficulties I'm going through are supposed to, to make me more like you and make my spouse more like you and then draw us together and give us the strongest marriage ever. But could you please just don't make us go through these difficulties? God, could you not make me go through this time of testing where I really have to, to depend on you to do something that I lose complete control of, even though I know it's going to strengthen my faith and I'm going to come out the other side a, a better believer in who you are and your rule of upon the earth, but please, can you just take away the pain and not make me go through that? Sometimes we just want God to end our suffering, but when we know our why, we endure hardship on earth for the crown that awaits in heaven. When we know our why, we give money that could buy pleasure and comfort in order to see souls in heaven. When we know our why, we make godly choices simply to hear, well done in heaven. Honestly, I think many of us have become distracted. I think life on earth has, has had things that are shiny and glittery and we've looked at them and just said, hey, I, I want that. And instead of living the why that God had in mind, we actually end up living for stuff on earth. And when we do, life becomes chaotic for some, mundane for others, and disappointing for many. All because we're living for the wrong why. Maybe some of you have heard of Viktor Frankl. He's a very famous survivor of the atrocities of the Holocaust. And he's written books, he's told his story. And uh, the one question that, that he really gets asked a lot and that he's answered is to why does he think he survived when people right beside him simply gave up on life and didn't? And his number one reason, the answer that he would always give is that he had purpose. He had purpose for life. He knew that the purpose he had to live for was greater than the horror that he was enduring. And so this is what he had to say about life. Life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. Again, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. I think it's a really good reminder for each of us right now, as we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, our circumstances aren't always fun. Some of us are sick. Some of us have friends who are sick and are, are maybe even in a, a life-threatening situation. At the very least, our normal routine is gone and, and things are just so different right now. And I think it's really important to grab onto such words. It's, it's not our circumstances that we need to change. It's knowing our purpose. Because if we know our purpose, 
everything changes. And because of Jesus, we have purpose. The only question is, are you living yours? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much that you are a good, gracious, and loving God. That you, you didn't just throw a bunch of humans down here and said, have a good time. It's all meaningless. It doesn't really matter. But actually, every single one of us is designed by you with a purpose that will make a difference. That something about who we are and what we do will change the course of history, either for another person or for the good of your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom, God. Uh, we can't see all, all of that coming together, but we trust you that it is and we know that it is. God, I personally just want to thank you that my life has meaning. And I pray for every person right now watching this that they will embrace the same thing and they'll want to know what is the why of my life. God, help me to live out the why of my life. And if you'll just stay in that place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that have never surrendered your life to God. You've never made Jesus your king. The truth is you will never know true meaning and purpose to your life until you've surrendered your life to the one who designed it. He alone knows what you are here to do. He alone knows what you can do if you are unleashed to live the life he created for you in the kingdom of God. So if you've never done that, if you want to do that right now, I wanna help you wherever you are, right where you're seated, just say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me, and I thank you that I'm forgiven. My simple prayer here today is that you will fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning and purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Amen, everybody. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.